0: Thank you. Yeah. He took my sins away He took my sins away, oh yes He took my sins away And keeps me singing every day I'm so glad He took my sins away He took my sins What the time now? He took my sins
1: father i'm so glad you took my sins away we are looking at the book of james we're going through the book of james verse by verse today we are in part six and we want to talk about wisdom wisdom i just want to say for if you've missed some of these messages in the series uh, you can find it on your website Uh, there is podcasts as well if you're on Apple, you can get the podcast updating automatically every single time. There's a new message I upload into the website. You can listen to it. Uh, and we've also got videos. We take video and you can watch that on our on website as well. Uh, it's good for the Word to go out. Uh, it's good to understand the teaching of God's Word. If you want to grow, if you want to become mature... You need the word of God. Who who agrees with that? We need the word of God. So we are looking at spiritual maturity. We don't want to stay babies. If we say we are born again, it means a baby is born. And spiritually you are born again, you're like a baby. And a baby learn to walk, to eat, to talk and do all these things. But just knowing to do all those things doesn't make you mature. Have you noticed? Your little boy and your little girl who's who's small, they can do all the things, but they're not mature yet. Maturity comes with learning the knowledge and applying wisdom. And we are looking at this now through the book of James. And every single week we complete the sentence. Today we want to see and complete the sentence which says, A mature Christian is seeking wisdom from God. That's what a mature wisdom does. He seeks wisdom from God. Not from this world, but from God. You see, wisdom was important to the Jewish people. Very important. They had all the knowledge of this God that they served, this God that they followed. They had all the knowledge about it, but they realized that that was not enough to just have the knowledge. You had to have wisdom to use the knowledge. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom is knowing to apply the knowledge that you have. You see, knowledge takes things apart, wisdom puts it together. Knowledge, we digest every single thing. We want to understand with our mind. We read books about books. We read books about the Bible. And we pull it all apart with all of the knowledge. From a collaborative of people coming together and, and we pull it all apart. But then you need the wisdom to put it back again. It reminds me when I was a young boy and my dad loved to work in motor cars, engines. And he said, boy, I'll get you to start on the lawnmower engine. And I just jumped in. Knowledge taught me I could take a spanner and I can untie all these nuts. And I took the whole thing apart. Every single thing that can be bolted out, I bolted out. That's what knowledge showed me. But then when I stood back, I didn't know how to put the thing together again. I didn't have the wisdom about this whole thing. Or the knowledge to put it back. So my dad had to come and do it, but I undid the whole thing so much we had to throw it away. Scrap metal. Knowledge takes it apart. Wisdom puts it back together. And it's important for us, as children of God, to have god's wisdom proverbs chapter 4 verse 7 he says wisdom is the principal thing wisdom is the principal thing therefore get wisdom turn to the person next to you and say get wisdom get wisdom and in all your getting get understanding i love the book of proverbs and i said it before that James is actually the New Testament Proverbs. If you read the whole chapter three of Proverbs, he talks about wisdom. Talks about wisdom. We're going to learn a few things about wisdom this morning. So James started chapter three out with this verse in one. He said, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers. In the day of his age, they went into churches, and every single person in the church wanted to be a teacher. And he warned against that. That's how he starts this chapter. He says, Let not every one of you want to become a teacher, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. There's a strict judgment of people standing behind pulpits. Because every single word you say, every direction you put people into, everything you do, you will be judged by God. That is why if you're a self-proclaimed apostle, prophet i don't believe in those but if you're a self-proclaimed teacher as well you will give an account to god he sees it right there and he talks directly to these people who wants to become teachers but also to you and me because for some time in your life somebody's going to come to you for advice and you're going to become that teacher He says, do not many of you become teachers. But look at verse 2. He says, for we all stumble in many things. You see that? We all stumble in many things. Oh, the people who say that you can lose your salvation, they love this verse. They say, there you go. You will stumble, you see? And then you will lose your salvation. That's not what this verse says. This verse is tied to teachers who wants to become teachers. He says, do not become teachers. Why? For we all stumble in many things. Watch out therefore. You have to put it in context here. If anyone does not stumble in word, what he speaks, he's a perfect man and able also to brittle his whole body. So this is critically important. He talks about these people who want to become teachers. But then he talks to you and me, who becomes teachers to other people who come for advice. He says, when you do that, be careful because we can stumble in many things. And then he went on to say, and it's all on the the net, I preached this last week. He went on to say that you as a teacher has got the power to direct people. He uses the example of a bit in a horse's mouth. And he uses the example of a small little brother who directs a ship. He says, you've got to be careful if you're a teacher because you're going to direct people with your preaching, with your tongue, with your mindset. You're going to make people make up their minds to go in a direction. And that lies within your hands. And may I say, say, today there are so many people in this world who misdirect people from the pulpits. They stray away from God's word, and they direct people according to their own knowledge. How foolish is that? Haven't they read this? Haven't they read when he said that, for we all stumble in many ways? Oh, oh, but these people think they're high and above everybody else, and they cannot stumble. He says, you will stumble in word. And you've got the power in your hands to direct people through your words. Be careful then how you direct people. Second thing that he pointed out, he says that you who wants to become a teacher has got the power in your mouth to destroy people. And he compared that to a fire and a small little flame starts a whole fire, a bushfire, and he compares it to a an wild animal. In fact, he uses a poisonous animal. He says, be careful when you become a teacher and don't just look at the pastors now, look at your own life, look at you. When you direct people, think before you talk. In fact, in chapter 1 he says, let us be quickly to hear and slow to speak. Think it over, because whatever advice you give people is going to direct them in a way. And you can destroy them by lighting a fire. And you remember what I said, the fire has got three components. It's got fuel, which is the branches, the bushes and everything, and it's got oxygen, and it's got heat, the ignition, the ignition. And thirdly, he said that you who wants to become a teacher, and you who wants to direct people, and who's got this power to destroy, you've also got the power to delight. And he uses two examples there. He says you can be like a fountain, a fountain brings forth clear, wonderful water. But he then goes on to say, let not that water become sour or bitter. What is coming out of you? If people come to you who's a child of God and they seek an answer and a direction from you, what are you giving them? Is it a negativity you give them or are you giving them Christ? Christ. Or are you giving them direction in a good direction? Friends, you and I are only post-pointing towards Christ. That's all we are. And he also compared that to a tree. But now, today is the second part of that. Because for this to happen, for you to become perfect, you see the word perfect there, is to not stumble in word. For you to be able to do that, you're going to need what? Wisdom. You're going to need wisdom to do that. And this is now what he talks about. Now let's read that. In James chapter three, verse 13, he says, "Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness and wisdom, uh, in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. Do not boast. Do not boast and lie against the truth. For where envy and self-seeking exist, listen, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now, the fruit of righteousness is shown in peace by those who make peace. You know what this world needs? Peacemakers. Not compromisers, Peacemakers this world is in a bad state who noticed and it's falling apart by the seams this old sack is going to be ripped apart people's security is going to be ripped apart and the only one you've got listen to me is jesus christ it's falling apart now there's two types of wisdom that James gives us in this passage. He says, first of all, there is the wisdom that is from below, and there is the wisdom that comes from above. It's straightforward, right in front of us. First of all, he explains to us the wisdom that is from below. He says in verse 15, the wisdom that does not descend from above. Now, if it doesn't descend from above, where does it come from? Below. Come on, that's straightforward. The wisdom that does not descend from above but he's earthly, sensual, and demonic. He gives us a description about the wisdom that comes from below. First of all, he says that this wisdom is earthly. I want you to listen very carefully this morning. I believe this is a very critical message, because this happens every single day in your and my life. We get wisdom from people we need to identify what kind of wisdom that is. First of all, earthly wisdom is man-made wisdom. It is head knowledge. He mentions it. He says that that doesn't come from above is earthly. And we've seen so many of this over the, the time of the Bible. Remember the Tower of Babel? Oh, that was man. They said, let us make a name for ourselves. That is what the people are saying today. Society say, you've got to make a name for yourself to make it. If you want to make it in life, make a name for yourself. And what did they do? They started building this tower. God said to them, what? Disperse. God's instruction to them is to fill the earth. What did they do? Oh, we know better. Let let us do our wisdom. It is better for man to come together. And they say it even themselves. They said that if we come together, nothing will be able to stop us. Nothing. But they had that wrong, didn't they? Because who stopped them? God stopped them. Let us make a name for ourselves. God said, let us. There's two uses here. One is the God us and the one is the earth us. And who's got the most power? Come on, you say it. it it's a no-brainer. God said, let us go down there and see what us is doing down there. I love that. When they came down, he just changed one small thing. What is that? We all speak different languages. <laughs> One would have thought it's going to be a war. One is going to have thought he's going to overthrow the power of the day, the the beachhead or the one. No, no, no. He just changes some subtle thing in his languages. And today we struggle to understand people's languages. And it keeps people separated. It does. It certainly does. I'll I'll give you a great example. There's South African speaking in this church, there's Spanish speaking there is uh, Malayal speaking in this church and what happens if these these groups coming into a church although we are part of the body of Christ we are brothers and sisters but if a few South Africans come together it feels uncomfortable for them to speak to each other in English what do they do naturally come you tell me they go over into Afrikaans isn't it right and the same with when Malayal-speaking people come together. It doesn't say we're separate and we've blocked out. No, no, it's not small little cliques here. What happens? That is what God did. He made that separations. But you know what? In the body of Christ, we come together and we are one, and we speak one language. Somebody said in heaven they're going to speak the heavenly language, which is Afrikaans. That is a lie. <laughs> So, brother John, you'll have to start learning Afrikaans. Start with Mora. <laughs> How do you say Mora in Malayal? Good morning. How do you say it in Malayal? If you say "Good morning," Superbrado. Superbrado. You see? Come on, you need to. Le- we need to learn. No, 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 friends. When we get into heaven, we're going to talk God's language, and you might be surprised if it's even not in, even English. Yes. So here is the thing, godly wisdom and man's wisdom. And right through the ages, we saw Abraham. Remember Abraham, the father of the Jews, the father of the nation. And there was a drought coming in the place. What did he do? He took his wisdom. He said, I need to take my family and go into Egypt. How big a problem did that cause? How big a problem? But he had to trust in God's wisdom to carry him through the wilderness, through the drought. Do you think people do that today? No. We walk in our wisdom. We go up to somebody and we take our whole life up to that person and say, this is my whole life. Boom. What shall I do? And we trust that man's wisdom with our whole lives. You, you, you see, you, listen, I see this happening in churches. People come into churches with their whole life and they put it down in front of the pastor and say, you give us now your wisdom. You know what I say, if you want counsel from me, I take you to the heavenly counselor. Because it says in the book of Isaiah, his name will be what? He will be counselor. And wisdom comes from him. So this is the earthly. He says, wisdom from below is earthly. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20 says, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? I want you to follow clearly here. He says, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Look around you people. See what's going on. Here in Victoria, they are now sitting together, the so-called wise people of this generation are sitting now together and say, we want to pass a law that gives you the right to kill yourself, to murder yourself. But don't be fooled, because it's not only that. They bring up all of these heartbreaking stories about people struggling. In a, that's not what they want. That's a smokescreen. They want to come into a position one day to make that decision on your behalf because you didn't fit their piece. Be careful for that. That is the wisdom he talks about—earthly wisdom. He says, "Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the in, in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe." He talks about the wisdom of this world, earthly. Look, I don't want to conduct myself into politics this morning, but what are they changing now about marriage? The wisdom of the world. It continues on here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18. He says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. See? The message of the cross. It is foolishness to those who are perishing. He says that they who do not believe in it is fools. But there's a lot of people who do not believe in the message of the cross. That's the wisdom of the earth. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Secondly, he says here that this is wisdom is sensual. What does sensual mean? It, 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 it means natural. It comes from the Greek word psychikos. It means life or soul. And that is where we find our English word psychology from. This is the wisdom he's talking about. It's not me. Don't shoot the messenger here this morning, but listen to what James writes down by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, The wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly sensual, seeking wisdom from man's natural senses in the inner man. You see a lot of it these days. You've got to find the best you inside of you. That's earthly wisdom. And then... 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14, he says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. You see, again he talks about the natural man. And these things are so clear, friends. We are sitting with this in this world today. The message of the cross... The people don't want to hear it. The young people don't want to hear it anymore. The message of the cross to them is old. It is fable. They do not believe in it. And it says, it is foolishness to them. And here it's the same thing. He says, the natural man, you can either be a spiritual man or natural, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They would laugh at you and me, praising God. They'll go, look how crazy they've turned. Why? Because it's just... The wisdom of this world is captulating the people. He says, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. It is very hard, isn't it? But it's true. Lastly, this wisdom from below is demonic. That means it's the wisdom from Satan. Demonic. And it's so evident in the Garden of Eden. You saw in the Garden of Eden when Satan came in, he spoke to Eve, what did he do? He said, did God say? He brought his wisdom in. God had his wisdom, he says, thou shalt not eat of that tree. Why? Because God knew, the knowledge is there, you shall surely die. God's wisdom is you shall not do that. What does he come? He come and he says, why do you want to listen to God? We're here on earth, he's up there, he's not down here. Let's eat of that. Come on, he didn't really say that. And he brought that wisdom in, and what happened? We sit with sin and all of these things that happen to us in this world now. Three things, earthly, sensual, and demonic. But then you get wisdom from above. James is clear about this. He says in verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. You see, first of all, the wisdom is a perfect gift. Did you know that? James chapter 1 verse 17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from where? It's from above. Wisdom is a gift from God. You've got all of this knowledge. Now, let me show you how to apply it. Now God gives you that wisdom and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation of shadow of turning. The wisdom from above. It's a perfect gift. Secondly, Christ is our wisdom. The Bible says it. But do you think people want to walk with this wisdom? They don't want to walk with Christ. No. Who's that guy? Who's that Jew? Somebody said to me one day, it was a Jew who was killed on a cross. Who's that? I said, that's my Savior. That is my Savior. He says, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jew's stumbling block and to the Greeks' foolishness, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ The power of God and the wisdom of God. He came on this earth and He walked with us and He showed us wisdom. And then also, the Word is our wisdom. Did you realize that? This Word, the Bible that you hold in your hands, is the wisdom. It's the wisdom of God. It comes from God. It's not as if we're all going to close your eyes and we're going to pray now and we say, Oh, can you feel that power coming over you? That's the Word. No. God's not into just experiential things. No, no. He gives us a clear, concrete path in His Word. It's written. Every time He says it's written. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 5, He says, Surely I've taught you statutes and judgments, which is in the Word, just as the Lord my God commanded me that you should act according to them in the land with which you go to possess. Therefore be careful to observe them, be careful to observe the word. For this is your wisdom. This is your wisdom. And your understanding in the sight of people who will hear all these statues and say, surely this great nation is wise and understanding people. Who are they saying about that now? It's the children of God. You and I should be wise and understanding amongst the nation. And the only thing that's going to give you wisdom and understanding amongst the nation is this, the Word of God. Look, I've just turned 50 years. I know I'm still looking very young. Thank you so much, and thank you for saying that. But I've just turned 50 years, and I'll tell you one thing that I've found. I've met a lot of people, and I'm so privileged to be in a lot of places. But the wisdom that the Word of God has given me in this 50 years has carried me through. He's put me in front of people, which I went and I said, Lord, how did I get in front of this? it made me see sometimes around a meeting things which I think how did I get to that I know God gave it to me he gave wisdom and then we get this wisdom through what through prayer I just said through the word I just said through Christ read his life follow him read it in the word but also pray pray. James chapter 1 verse 5 he says, if any one of you lacks wisdom let him ask of God who gives to you all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. It will be given to him. What do you ask for? You ask for wisdom and understanding and also the Holy Spirit is wisdom. Who knows that? The Spirit of God comes and lives in us. I'm just giving you scriptures here which you could have found it yourself. But by the inspiration of God and Holy Spirit, I want to give you this. It's not me saying these things, friends. If you look at my wisdom this morning, my wisdom is down there somewhere. You need binoculars to look down there to find them. But God's wisdom, oh, it is right here up there. It comes from every perfect gift, comes from God. And how do you get it? By prayer, but also through the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom. Listen and revelation in the knowledge of him you, you see what happens here every single time you read the word and you know what the holy spirit works with the word it reveals something more about christ every single day a revelation of christ and the more christ reveals himself through the scriptures you know who we see we see the father they asked him they said show us the father and we'll believe he says if you see me you've seen the father So if you want to know how God is, look at Jesus. And that wisdom comes through the Holy Spirit. Now let me just show you the evidences of these wisdom. You say, how can we see if somebody's got wisdom from below or from above? It's really easy. James gives it to us in this passage. First of all, he says the evidence of false wisdom is what? Envy and strife. Envy and strife. James 1.14, but if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, what is envy? This word carries the meaning of self-ambition and zeal. That is what envy is. That is when somebody goes on an ego trip. Oh man, I'm so good. But I want more. I've got zeal to go more. And look, if you look at politicians now, you'll see a classic example of politicians out here we go on this, it's all about me, myself, and I, if I can grow, and if I can get strong in myself, look, that's what James says, the word is so true, it's an ego trip, it's envy, I want more, and I want what yours should be mine as well, but then he uses the word strife as well, and this word here means it's a party spirit, it's not a party where we're going to blow our balloons and have a party or we go out into night clubbing. No, it's not that kind of party. This party spirit here means it's what politicians use to, to get votes, to go out and to gain votes. They go out and say to people, be on my side. And you know what? This happens in churches, it happens in churches also. People do something or they follow in an ego trip about themselves, and what do they do? They want to get as many people connected to them. To connect it to them, and they promise them the world. That's dangerous. He says it right here that is false wisdom. People are connecting people to themselves. I said it all my life. I preach, go and check up all of the sermons I preached over the years. I said to you, people, you are not part of my church. This is not my church. I'm not out here to, to canvas you for votes and to come in to fill these seats to, to look good or to look successful. No, no, I'm successful as it is. You, you want to know how I'm successful? I'm successful in the Lord. I'm saved by His grace, and that, that does it. I don't have to make a name for myself. I don't need to preach for people to like me. I don't have to do that. Oh, what is the weight off? Woof. I don't have to do that. All I do every Sunday is I come up here, and I open up the Scriptures, and I say how it is. How liberating is that? But there are people who preach, and they want to trickle the ears, and they want to say, Oh, you can have your best life now. Oh, oh, everything that God has packaged is right inside of you. You are so, you are fully loaded. You're ready to go. All you need to do is you need to find that psychology. You need to look deep inside. It's there. Just believe it. No, no, friends, it is not there. It is in Him. But this is what He sees. If you want to see false wisdom, you see envy and you see strife. You see that ego trip, and then you see this, this party spirit going out, To get people to take their side, but then he says also, false wisdom is boasting and lying. Boasting. That is a a pride to a pride is to boast. That is prideful. Oh man, I am so good. I am better than I was yesterday, and tomorrow I'm going to be better than I was the day before. And you just wait until you see me in a week. And my head's going to be so big I can't walk into this place. And this is what's happening. You know, people are boasting so much in themselves. There is no humility in boasting. Have you thought about that? No humility. Again, we see these things happening in churches. Then he talks about lying. He says, and uh, lie against the truth. What does that mean? It means I need to win at all costs. It doesn't matter what it takes. I need to win. This he identifies as things you can see. If you see these things in people, they have a false wisdom. Clear as that. But then he talks about a true spiritual wisdom. He identifies it for us. First of all, in verse 13, he says meekness. He says, let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. What is meekness? Meekness is power under control. It's power under control. We've got a few babies in this church. And let, let's say I take that five-month-old baby into my arms. Have I got the power to crush that baby? Yes, I have. I'm a big man, I weigh more than 100 kilograms, I've got big muscles. I've toned them over the years. I, I know they're not toned now, but I've toned them over the years. That's what I'm saying. You've got to read what I say. But I still believe I'm strong in that little baby in my arms. What do I do? I don't grab that baby and go, no, no. I use gentleness. I need, use meekness. I use my power under control. I take that little baby in my arms and I gently rock them over. And you know what? I touch them gently with my big hands. That is meekness. It is is the same picture as as you take a a brute horse and you break him in. That is meekness. It is that power that's there, but it's under control. The the Greeks used this metaphor of breaking a horse down and making meek. The, The phrase here, meekness of wisdom, is an interesting one here, isn't it? Meekness is the right to use power. And wisdom is the right... To use knowledge, listen carefully, they go together. Wisdom and knowledge, that's what he's trying to say. Use them together in meekness. You've got the power of the knowledge that you have. You can rip people apart with that knowledge. They can sit there and you can go straight into them, but use it under control in wisdom. That That is a good sign. But then he also says it's pure and it's peaceful. Somebody who has got this pure, it means innocent and clean and peaceable. That is compared to strife. You remember the previous guy is strife. That earthly wisdom is strife. This one makes peace rather than to strive. And it means to, to apply this wisdom. It's also gentle and compliant. That is the wisdom from above. James says in verse 17, but the wisdom that's from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, and willing to yield. Willing to yield. Uh, the, the word gentleness there, the best description I can show you is when you have a velvet glove and you put your hand inside of that velvet glove. On the outside, when people touch it, seat, what, what do you feel? Velvet. But on the inside, there's a steely strength there. That is the same concept here it is the same concept, I think it was uh, Roosevelt who used that example, and he said, he wants to be like velvet on the outside, but once they come to his nation, he's like an iron, you can't break it, and then he says also, willing to yield. that means to be compliant, it is easy to live with, are you like that, you know what, If you get some people, you don't know how they wake up the next day. You don't know yesterday before they went to bed, they smiled and it's all good. The next morning when they wake up, to get out of my way. That's not wisdom from above. It's compliant. It's to adapt to whatever goes on around you. It's not compromise. Don't confuse these two words. I'm not compromising. I'm compliant. If something happens to me which is bad, I say, Lord, I'm compliant. Thank you, because you know best. Now, if it's with my own wrongdoing, you will have to learn a lesson and correct it. But this is evidence of true spiritual wisdom. And then he goes on to say, full of mercy. Who knows what's mercy? It's not giving somebody something they deserve. They've done something against you wrong and not going to crush them and say, look, I'll forgive you. Forgiveness for a child of God needs to be quickly. He says, good fruits, good fruits. Are you carrying good fruits without partiality? Do you like one person more than another? Look, that's part of your nature. But wherever you go, treat everybody equal. That's what it is, wisdom from above. Wisdom from above. You know, we grew up in very, very secluded places, some of us we were brought up in a very certain way now we meet somebody from the other side and we can't be partial because they were brought up in a different way my brother just said it he walked in there and there's this man standing there with all of his fully loaded leather jacket and everything and hair and every every so on but as soon as he said in the name of jesus what happened now shall we be partial so we say look we'll have a church now for everybody who looks like this but all the people who didn't cut their hair since birth and wear heavy leather jackets your service will start at 12 we don't want to mix you two no that's not wise and here is the same and he says without hypocrisy and man i can preach a sermon about hypocrisy because we can sit here with oh you've got to be like this but do the same thing against it isn't it now let me finish this morning There's two outcomes for this wisdom. Remember, he started in verse 1. He talks about people who want to become teachers. And they wanted to teach people. And he warned all of that. He says, if you want to become that, you need to have the right wisdom. Why? Because there's two outcomes. The first outcome will bring trouble. Trouble. James chapter 3, 16. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion... And every evil thing are there. Are we seeing it in the world today? You bet you. Everything is caving away, friends. And I I don't want to be a doomed speaker here today. I just want to name the facts. Our lives as we know it is changing by the day. In fact, it's changing by the hour. Anything that can happen over in the world somewhere, if somebody makes a decision, will wash onto these shores. And if it's earthly wisdom, it will change your life whether you like it or not. They pass a bill in, power, in, in government and you've got to apply. You've got to abide. And here he says, what will happen with this wisdom that is from the earth? It brings confusion. Confusion. I listen to some of these things, these wisdom they bring out and I go, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't just want to back the government. Over the years that I've passed, I had people coming to me and ask for advice. And then they tell me the advice they got from other people. And you know what I normally say? If you want to have advice from me, you need to cut down the other years what you want to listen to. Because you get all of these advice, says and you're confused. You need to hear what God says out of the Word of God. And it brings every evil thing. But the second one, God's wisdom, what does that do? Oh, that produces a blessing. That produces a blessing. James 3, 18. Now the fruit of righteousness is shown in peace by those who make peace. The righteousness is shown, the fruit of righteousness. Which righteousness is this? God's righteousness. Is living a life acceptable to Him? Are you living a life acceptable to God or to your own? Oh, but I'm my own man, you know, I'll work it out and I'll get there someday. But the time is now, friend. I've read you that verse in Isaiah. Still got it open here. Let's reason together. It says. So, what wisdom are you operating in today? What wisdom? Have you identified yourself? Have you seen those places and say, oh Lord, I've I've operated in in the wrong wisdom? You know what? If I go back to that very first verse, he said that we will fall in many things. Is that what he says? He says we'll fall in many things. Let me read it to you again. He says, let not everybody be a teacher. What does it happen then? For we all stumble in many things. We all stumble, friend. If you are sitting here this morning and say, Oh, Lord, you know I've stumbled. I've been that envious person. I've been that person. You know what is so wonderful about your Lord? He takes a prayer to him and say, Lord, please forgive me and help me. Forgiveness is short for the Lord. Did you know that? But come into the wisdom of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I know this is a hard word. I know that your word cuts between bone and marrow, spirit and soul. I just pray this morning, Lord. I pray for your wisdom. As I preach this sermon, Lord, I know it goes against what we live by sometimes and by what we say. But Father, I do want to pray now and ask you for your guidance through the Holy Spirit, Lord, for each one of us. As we've heard these words, we've got a choice to make. We can either abide to what your word says today, that is heavenly wisdom, that comes from you, or we can continue in earthly wisdom and continue on what we do every day, making the same old, same old mistakes, fall in the same patterns. Father, I just pray through your Holy Spirit that he gives us help and strength, not to do that, but to correct, to follow you and to abide by you thank you for your word this morning lord i pray in this morning lord over the word and every word that i've said and father where they go in and convict i pray that your conviction be through the holy spirit and i thank you for this in jesus name father thank you also now as we're going to take up the offering for the offering i also do want to pray father over the food after year when we're going to fellowship i thank you so much lord for your blessings thank you again lord for all these brothers and sisters who came here this morning to listen to your word. I pray as they go their own way, Lord, that you will bless them and protect them. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.